and welcome to the October edition of PwC Nigeria's monthly tax podcast series. Last month, we discussed interesting insights on the Finance Act 2023. Um, We also looked at a TAT ruling on VAT and tax deductibility of certain expenses. Today, we'll be discussing another TAT ruling, which is actually a landmark case, considering the actual legality of our country-by-country reporting regulations. My name is Oshawa Alege, and today I am joined by Sheon Adu, partner transfer pricing at PwC Nigeria. Interestingly, Shin was actually the pioneer partner of the Nigerian transfer pricing business division with years of experience in this area. Um, welcome Shin, we are so happy to have you. Thanks Ochoa, it's my pleasure to be here. So today we'll be looking at a TAT ruling on a case between Checkpoint Software Technologies BV, which we'll be referring to as Checkpoints and FIRS, on the validity of the income tax country by country regulations, reporting regulations 2018. So let's call this the CBCR regulations for the purpose of our discussions today. Um, the first FIRS um, assessed checkpoints to late filings penalties under the CBCR regulations and checkpoint disputed these penalties on the basis of some legal concerns, more or less. And interestingly, the TAT actually agreed with checkpoint and it formed some part of their final ruling on the matter. Um, so we know that this will be of interest to many taxpayers, especially those who have um, CBCR obligations in Nigeria, um, especially considering the materiality of these penalties um, as it pertains to the defaults. And I think it'll be really interesting to hear your perspective on this. So let's dive right into it, I'm sure. I think first off, a lot of people are wondering what exactly is country by country, um, reg- are the country by country reporting regulation? Yeah. And can you walk us through what that whole process is really like? Mm. So that's a good question. Country by country reporting is a framework of international agreements mm-hmm. and domestic legislation that essentially try to do two main things. The first thing is they try to get really big multinationals to report their financial information on a country-by-country basis and then share this with their tax authorities. The second thing is they try to get the tax authorities to then share this information with a lot of other tax authorities through an automatic information exchange process. And that's the reason why Nigeria signed on to the country-by-country reporting agreements as well as introduced country-by-country regulations in order to be able to get this information. And the reason why that is useful from a Nigerian perspective is that when you're able to get information on things like the profits, revenues, and taxes paid by multinational in different countries, it can give you a sense as a Nigerian regulator of whether or not the profits that are being recorded in Nigeria are reasonable or whether there's a risk that some of those profits may have been inappropriately shifted to other countries. Okay, thank you so much for that. I think we have clarity on that, at least from that point. Um, can you summarize the technical issues like around this case, especially the arguments made by Checkpoint that formed a large part of the TAT's ruling? Yeah, sure. The overarching argument was that the penalties were unconstitutional. Mm-hmm on the basis that the regulations themselves were unconstitutional. And Checkpoint tried to put this across along 
about three different lines. The first point was that the regulations were issued by the chairman of the FRS, mm -hmm. whereas based on the law, they should have been issued by the board of the FRS. And the TAT agreed with this because based on the information available to the TAT, between 2012 and 2020, there wasn't a board of the FRS. Yeah. And therefore, a board could not have issued the regulations mm -hmm. in 2018. Mm -hmm. yeah. The second point was along the lines of the CBC agreements. Checkpoint argued that that agreement had not been, uh, the agreement was not enforceable mm -hmm. because it had not been signed into law by the National Assembly as required by the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And because the CBC regulations were put in place to implement that agreement, those regulations could not be, be enforced. The FRS had a different point of view, obviously, and yes. their argument was along the lines of, look, we have the right to introduce regulations based on the FRS Establishment Act, and that's very distinct from the treaty. Mm -hmm. The TAT acknowledged both arguments without necessarily making a call on that but then made a call on the third point. And this third point is what I like to call the if everything else fails yeah. <laughs> argument. On the third point, Checkpoint essentially argued that even if there were penalties, those penalties should be based on the FRS Establishment Act and not the CBCR regulations because the regulations were issued based on the Act. And if the Act already made provisions for certain penalties, those should supersede whatever would be in the regulations. And the TAT agreed on this point. And the decision was that the FRS should um, quash the penalties that had been issued based on the CBC regulations. So in fact, the TAT pronounced that those were unconstitutional and then asked the FRS to raise fresh penalties based on the FRS Establishment Act. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. I feel like... Well, I'm guessing it's <laughs> the actual ruling now and understanding is a lot better now. Um, so I'd say, what do you think this judgment, the line of thinking of the TAT around this judgment? Do you agree with it? Do you understand it? Is it something mm, that you kind of mm. align with? Good question. The, the first thing that comes to you when you read the judgment is there's some inconsistency between the two decisions. So on one hand, the TAT seems to agree that the regulations were not properly issued. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, the TAT seems to acknowledge an obligation that arose as a result of those regulations mm -hmm. and concluded that checkpoints should be penalized, even though the penalty should have been applied based on the FRS Establishment Act. Yeah. Now, when you look at both decisions, there's some inconsistency because if you take the view that a regulation was not properly issued and was probably unconstitutional. Yeah. The logical, you know, follow on to yeah. that is that you can't accept that an obligation properly arose out of those regulations. So in my view, for that decision to be consistent, then there shouldn't have been a question of penalties. Um, yeah. yeah, at all. The, but I mean, having, having said that, when you consider the TAT's decision and the fact that they took the view that only the board of the FRS could issue regulations, in my view, that's very much in order. The only area that could be contentious um, is the point around whether or not there was a board at the time. Now, 
So there's a small point that is potentially debatable, which is whether or not there really wasn't a board. And the reason is, when you look at the FRS Establishment Act, eight out of the 15 members of the board are ex-official members. So they are there by virtue of a certain office. So the argument goes that regardless of the pronouncements, those persons continue to hold office and by virtue of statute, they continue to be members of the board, meaning that the board could have legitimately sat and made a decision. But there's obviously a question of fact, which is, you know, whether or not those eight people um, actually did approve those regulations. But it will be interesting to see how this plays out in the long run. Yeah, I, I hear that point. I think that last small point would actually end up being quite significant in the long run. Yep. Um, what do you think is going to happen with other regulations that were made in that time frame from 2012 to 2020, especially with this absence of the board um, arguments? Yeah, so you, you could find a situation where those regulations are open to the same mm -hmm. type of challenge yeah. because they were made under similar circumstances. Mm -hmm. So if you get a taxpayer that receives a significant penalty under those regulations, that person could have the incentive to actually challenge the regulations um, to try to get a similar outcome. I think it's definitely going to be beneficial to a lot of people. I can see people kind of jumping through that loophole a little bit. So thank you so much, Shane. You've given us so much to think about already. Um, but just to conclude, how would you advise taxpayers to respond to this ruling? And do you see a world where maybe people can start getting credits ahead for you know previous assessments under these um, CBCR regulations? Mm -hmm. What I do know is that the FRS has appealed the ruling. Mm -hmm. So there is a chance that it could be overturned. I mean, no one knows for sure how that will play out. So provided there's that risk, um, it might be safe if you want to play safe to continue to comply and then see how it gets resolved eventually, yeah. especially because for many taxpayers, the cost of compliance is not particularly high. So that would be one way to, to try to keep safe. In terms of getting your money back, yeah. it's an interesting thing to consider in theory, but we sort of know how those things work in practice. Yeah. Okay, um, thank you. We've certainly, you've given us so much great advice, and I think this conversation is going to go on and on and on, and we always encourage our viewers and listeners to carry these conversations on. So thank you so much for joining us, Shun. Do you have sure. any final words? Sure, the, the last thing would be, if you want to get more information on this, feel free to reach out to us. You could check out our website. There's a lot of information around this case and more details. And if you haven't done so already, you should download our Tax 247 app. It's a really good depository of tax laws, tax cases, and recent developments in the tax space. Thank you, Cheryl. That was a lot to take in and really good advice, as I said earlier. I am Ochoa Alige, and this has been the Tax Recap Series.